You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. And today, folks, we got an amazing guest that has a dope line of books that does a deep dive into your favorite Marvel characters. My man has been a mainstay in the industry for a minute. And now, again, he's bringing us the, all these awesome books for our reading pleasure. That way, when we're on the defense about our favorite character, we could go to this book like an encyclopedia. And this is why our favorite will win. Let me introduce this amazing writer, this author, the man himself, Mr. Rich Johnson. Wepa, how you doing? How you doing, Al? Good to see you, man. <laughs> no, thank you for coming on and talking about these dope projects you got out there that, you know, that celebrate our favorite Marvel characters. And I need to know why Marvel, because we have so many common characters and a whole bunch more we're going to be diving into. But before we get into anything else, Rich, you know, we got to start with some origin stories. So tell us a bit about yourself, where you're originally from, and, and the early origins of your comic book journey, if you will. Yeah, actually from Western New York, Jamestown, home of Lucio Ball, who just had like her 190th birthday recently, I heard. Oh, um, a legend, um, legend. Love Lucy for real. <laughs> got into retail, uh, book selling, was a, was a buyer, did kids publishing with Scholastic. I got it. Scholastic and Goosebumps was just hidden by R.L. Stein. Oh, um, wow. I got into comics in 1997 when my wife and I had. Looked... Wait, wait a minute. 97. I mean, I graduated in 97. 93. Professionally, Whoa. 97. Oh, professionally. Okay. Professionally. Yeah, I read as a kid. You know, oh, right. I read all this, you know, Batman, Superman, Spider Man. Another favorite was Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. Oh, my God. Rich, talk about that. Yeah. I mean, is it, wasn't that an amazing book? Beautiful art all the time. Yeah. As a kid, I used to go to Grand Book Center in, in Brooklyn and they would have four packs for a dollar. And every pack had at least one Sergeant Fury and Howling Commandos book. Would you believe yeah, that? Yeah, I take one of those stick pretzels and bite off the end and pretend it was a cigar while I was reading, you know? Like Sergeant Fury. <laughs> Well, Rich knows the OG Fury. That's that's right, baby. Yeah, you know, I, I got out of comics when I was in you know high school and college, and then in 1986, I I picked up something called Batman: The Dark Knight Returns by this guy named Frank Miller, okay. and I went, "What the hell is this? This is very different than what I, what I read as a kid. You know, it's dark, it's deep, it's adult." And I got hooked again. But professionally, I was working at a publisher in Philly called Running Press. And unfortunately, at the time, my wife's mom's cancer returned. So we were just looking to get back to the New York area. And I was looking for a job. And she found in the New York Times a listing for a national accounts manager for DC Comics. My job was to sell graphic novels, which nobody cared about in 1997. You're right. You're so right, Rich. No one... Graphic novel wasn't a thing that, that that was too big of a book. We liked our collectibles. Graphic novels won't be anything. I'm just sharing that that was yeah. the attitude in that era. In that well, era. Absolutely. All right. And, All and right. for a, you know, the first couple of years, when I said graphic novel, a lot of people thought I was, you know, pitching erotica. It's comics, dude. It's it's comics. It's not it's not it's not dirty. Rich it's Johnson, a porn peddler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So I got there and I realized my job was to sell into markets that never really took our stuff much. You know, they took Mouse back in the day. They took the Dark Knight, you know, a little bit, but yeah, far a few in between. Sustainable, you know, nothing that really worked. Um, I was like, you know, how am I going to do this? And I took a lot of 
took a lot of crap from a lot of buyers because I sold to everybody. I sold to every retailer out there, and there oh, were wow. more. You know, I sold to Books a Million and Borders and Walden Books and Barnes and Noble and B. Dalton and Crown oh, Books, DC area and Laureates and the wholesalers, Ingram and Baker and Taylor and Whoa. Amazon back when they were just starting out. So it was I did a lot of traveling. Plus, I, I, I did a contract in Canada to get distribution up there for our books into the bookstore market. Went to wow. the first American Library Association trade show where people would come up and look at me and go, you know, what are you doing here? This is a library show. I'm like, I'll, you know, I'll show you what I'm doing here. So it, it, it grew until in 2003, 20 years ago this fall, we had at DC Comics the first New York Times best-selling graphic novel original graphic novel mouse had done it before yeah. with neil gaiman's sandman endless nights beautiful yeah so i got to work with neil and frank miller and a bunch oh, of other people yeah. that must have you must have totally geeked out like here i am selling and i'm not now now hanging out with these cats well you know in, in 97 when i met neil i really hadn't read sandman i was mostly a superhero guy okay. and i know he was, he was just finishing the run on sandman and he wasn't quite neil gaiman yet you know, I, I met him. Our publicist introduced me to him. And like, to me, he was just this British guy with long hair and a leather coat and a T-shirt, black T-shirt and black pants. Looking like the other guys that came over from yeah. over like, <laughs> Rich, could you help me with that? And I'm like, Neil, I'm having a hard time getting Batman in right now, but I'll do what I can. <laughs> but he was great. He was, you know, to me, he's kind of the gold standard of authors, you know, for, for any industry. He's just for comics, for novels. You know, he built this image of himself. He got into social media before it was a thing. He was yeah. always great with his with his fans. You know, we'd spend hours doing signings. So, so that so that was great. You know, and then oh, I was DC. I became a VP. Was there for almost ten years. That I co a VP of DC for ten years. Wepa, look at that. But before we get into that, yeah, how how did you convince these bookstores to carry? you know, graphic novels, or rather, you know, comic books in the, in the book yeah. format. <laughs> what I would do is, because most of the buyers I had didn't weren't fans. They didn't know the medium at all. All right. So what, I played a game with myself called Find the Geek. So mm. if the buyer didn't get comics and liked them, I thought, somebody in this building does. I don't care if they're IT. I don't care if they're another buyer. I don't care if they're in maintenance. I don't care if they're an executive. I'm going to find them to prove to this buyer that they're viable. Remember being once at Musicland, they used to have the Sam Goody and Media Play store. Oh my so God, he's a Sam Goody, my God. Remember Sam Goody? And the <laughs> yeah. guy didn't know anything about comics. And I think some guy walked in, he might have been IT, and he sees the books that it has. And he goes, Oh my God, what are those? I'm like, hey, <laughs> want to take a look? And I could see the look in there, like, Oh my God, there's an audience for these things. Mm -hmm. So I had to earn their trust. I had to be really, you know, honest with them and tell them what they should buy and what they shouldn't more importantly okay you know because i didn't want the category kick getting kicked out of the stores very quickly especially in you know but well, that can be honesty again there's some yeah. sales people that you, you got to be honest again if you want to get you the do. word out there you got to present you the do. best at the end yeah. of the day not no disrespect to other creators or any other books and yeah. titles but it's just listen we got we got to push what what people are are re, you know relating with so that way we could build this you know market bigger. And, and and I, I love that approach. Like Walden Books, you know, we had a spinner rack, and I had like four pockets on the comic spinner rack for graphic novels. <laughs> four pockets. And they, oh the, my the god! Magazine, you're buying, being bought by the magazine buyer, and she told me one year, oh, you know those four pockets you have? It was when the first Star Wars prequel was coming out, and she said, I'm going to put all Star Wars books in there for the rest of the year, so I'm not going to be buying your stuff. It's like, excuse me. 
the pockets that I own that we paid for. Ooh. So I got I got angry. And so I found Ooh. a book buyer and said, Can you can you take over this category? And they did. Because it was very small at the time. Actually yeah. his name was Stu Carter. He's buying he was buying regional books, like books on New York City and Boston and mm. and it kind of grew from there. Amazing. So I would I would do a lot of stuff to sort of you know manipulate people <laughs> hey listen it's sales yeah. man but I, I love the approach you you were whiffing yeah. out who's the geek because if i saw that this guy loves this or gal yeah. loves this you know these buyers are going to be like wait a minute as you said the sam goody yeah. guy behind the connor's eyes opened up when they when their geek said whoo yeah. what's this <laughs> and the same in libraries you know i found these librarians who love comics who love manga and they became like our evangelists they went and preached the good fight for everybody you know, so it was great. Making your job a whole lot easier. Yeah, it could talk for me. Yeah, awesome. So you know, so now you're 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 a VP at DC. I mean, how did that feel? And what was the term of your tenure? You know, what 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 was that? Year it was from like? '97 to 2006. It was a, I thought it was a really good time at DC. You know, the the graphic novel business was growing like crazy. We were getting a lot more recognition. We were getting you know. The New York Times to look at our books. It, it was we were building something that never existed before, and I always thought that you know I was bringing more fans to the table, and now you know there are more readers of comics and graphic novels than there has been since the 1940s. Oh yeah, well, not that big. Let's talk DC, about it. It was, it was it was it was it was fun. It wasn't a it wasn't fun every day. You know there were challenges, but you know to work for your childhood heroes was kind of cool. One one time, I my son, we were at some function. He was like six or seven or something like that. And he told the other kid's father, he goes, my dad works for Batman. And <laughs> father said, what's his name, Alfred? You know, he kind of didn't believe it. So. I know. He actually works for Bruce, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, but that's awesome. All right. So when did you start getting creative on your own? When, when did that happen? When you started picking up a pen and, you know, and wanting to share? I always wanted to. I've actually written sort of a graphic memoir that my agent is out shopping. You know, I started editing when I started consulting after I was the yeah. co-founder of Yen Press, the manga company. Oh, wait, you found Yen Press? I co-founded it, yeah. Co-founded? Wait, 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 wait. So how how long after DC was this? Because, you know, manga was right being the DC. It was right, right after, after. Oh, yeah. bro, you're a beast. Cause that means you jumped in just when it was, like, getting super well, hot in America. Well, it was the perfect storm of bad timing. When we when we got there, Borders was in Walden Books was still around. Okay. As the two years went on, borders was collapsing. Their borders closed. Yeah, <laughs> they were dying. And manga went manga tanked for for several years. It went okay. from I think a seventy three million dollar business approximately to like thirty two million. In oh, a couple of years. damn! Yeah, it, it tanked big time. It went. It it died for a while. That's yeah, Tokyo Pop closed their offices in in the states. They're back. Digital manga, not digital manga, broccoli manga. Central Park Media, a bunch of these little manga publishers went out of business, and it was not a good time for manga at all. It's wow. recently made a comeback, yes, but it was, it was a bad time. What's up, Awesome Sauce Radio? How you doing? <laughs> so, yeah, so when I started consulting, you know, one of the companies I worked for, I started acquiring books as an editor at Penguin. I, when I consulted Penguin. for Penguin, you just, yeah. You'd be going everywhere. My God, Rich, I mean, yeah, I've been wow. A yeah. Whoa, DC. Yeah, I also consulted for no, Legendary no. Entertainment, you know, the movie studio. When oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Godzilla and Kong. Yeah. 
uh, just a ton of people, including yeah. a company called Graphic Mundi. They're part of Penn State University Press. It's a graphic novel line. I know Graphic Mundi too. Yeah. Whoa, so, you, you're involved in a lot of stuff. So, this is so I helped them get off the ground, and it happened right at the beginning of COVID. And they're actually going to not hire me for a while. But I said, look, it takes a lot to get an uh, imprint up off the ground. I go, and secondly, I have an idea. I said, when I was at DC, we did a book about 9-11. It was an anthology. Yeah. And we, we co-published it with our course. They did a second volume. And then when I was at Lion Forge as a VP there, we did a book called uh, Puerto Rico Strong. Oh, I got that right there. Thank you for doing that. I love that book. Great book. They're both great books. And my idea was, you know, we're at the beginning of this weird thing called COVID. Let's do an anthology, donate some of the money to charity like we did with those books. And it really launched that imprint really well. I think it's still their bestseller. So it wow. was, you know, so I wrote a little piece for that. I edit, co-edited it. So it was, a, you know, the real thing with that was like, when do we stop? Because, you know, it kept going on. Like, we could have written, like, six volumes easily. Yeah. Oh, man, but, I'll tell you, thank you for doing what you did at least with that yeah, book, check too. check that out, Public Chronicles. Yo, dude, it's amazing stuff. All right, so let's start getting into your works. Because right now, sure. your recent works include titles such as Captain America, Hero Icon, The Amazing Spider-Man Web Slinger, Hero Icon, The Incredible Hulk Worldbreaker, Hero Icon. What inspired you to focus on these iconic Marvel characters, especially, you know, I see your history being on DC, so I'm like, whoa, you go from DC, now you're writing about Marvel. Well, I used the editor, Jessica Fuller, over at Rizzoli. I, until recently, I, I, I left. I was an adjunct professor at Pace University in their publishing program. Okay. I taught their, like, 101 basic publishing course. Oh, cool. So I would bring Jessica in as a guest. I knew her from before. I met her a long time ago. So she was looking for a writer, and I said, God, I'd love to write the Spider-Man book. She goes, you want to do all of them? I'm like, okay. So we, we discussed the concept. She had the licensing deal with Marvel, and I said, you know, what if we, you know, make these really about the stories, about what are really great stories? Because I know when you walk into a bookstore or a library or a comic shop, and there's this big wall of, of Marvel comics, and even, even DC, you're like, where do I begin? Mm. How do I start? How do I, I want to read more about this character. I don't know what to do. So in some ways, in addition to being these gorgeous art books, they're kind of guides. So like Captain America, we rank it by what you need to know about the character. So it's private, corporal, sergeant, captain. Mm -hmm. So at the private level, you need to know nothing about the character, really, to enjoy those stories. And the more you go up, the more continuity you need to know. Like up in the captain level is like Civil War. So you need to know a lot more about the characters or blanking on one of them. And so we did that with all of them. So that's the kind of the purpose is I try to get you interested in the stories to go out and buy the graphic novels or the comics. Yeah, and look at this book. I mean, it's, who did that artwork too? That's my Captain America with the chainmail on. I'm, oh, I'm I remember this. his name. He was the one who did the Tanishi Coates run on on Captain America. All right, uh, this, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I think I remember in a bit. Don't you worry. But this yeah. is amazingly gorgeous cover. So this is your first baby that came out. Yeah, right? that's the first one. Yep. How was it received and how much fun did you have writing it? I mean, how far, how far were you digging? Did you find out anything about Captain America that you never knew before? Sure. Well, the process is, you know, I, you know, I do research. I ask people, like, what are the best Captain America stories? And I create a list, share it with Rizzoli. We share it with Marvel. They say, well, how about this one instead of that one? And we come up with, like, 30 stories to talk about. Okay. So from there, you know, I, I got to read them all. Ooh. Even if I've read them, I got to read them all. 
Oh my god, what 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 a horrible task to read all those. To read and write about comics <laughs> and pay for it. So I gotta read them all, you know, and you you've you know, Captain America changed as a character, you know, back in World War II, he was you know fighting Nazis. He was it was they were war comics, but once they you know thought him out later on, more and more they became like thriller espionage comics with you know him being part of SHIELD and you know, man without a with no past and out of man out of time. You know the whole Winter Soldier thing. It became a different kind of comic, and I always love Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Yeah, amazing. so the Captain America White book is, I think, really great. Spectacular art in that one, just amazing. Did you get to hold any of the original stuff books in your hands, or, or were they all did you? No, I it was all on my iPad. Wouldn't it have been nice to smell the ink on those classics? <laughs> yeah, because then I also had to like you know take screenshots of what art I might want to see in the book and we sent it off to to you know Rizzoli to Marvel and then they sent us the files for it and the designer who did the first three books Maria Cavarda was great she would pick and choose which ones to add. Excellent, excellent. So then how, how did that book perform when it first was released? How how did the uh, people like you know receive it? It got it got, it got good reviews and, and good notice. Amazingly Spider Man has won an award. It won this magazine called Folio Magazine. It won indie comic, an indie award for best pop culture. Really? Hey, congrats, Tommy. That's awesome. I mean, again, another gorgeous cover. Our Spidey traditional, I mean, non armored, you know, it's a spandex suit. I so love it. So, who's your favorite, Al, out of these three? Who's out of the three? Out of the three, man, I like, uh, listen, I'm a hot-headed Puerto Rican, so of course I'm going to love me my Hulk, you know what I mean? The man of rage, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. please, you know. He, he, listen, he's like every man. He just wants his peace. Don't disturb his peace. He's going to rage yeah. out. <laughs> That's what I love about that, man. I mean, again, look at that cover. This is your latest book, too, man. So how much, you know, but before we get into that, how much fun did you have with the Spidey book? Well, Spidey, you know, I kind of, you know, reading him as a kid and then rereading him and, you know, reading the Spider-Verse stuff and everything, you, you kind of realize that even though they're action comics, I think at the heart of it, Spider-Man's a romance comic. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, the the, the hard times of poor Pete, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's all about the people he loves from, you know, May, Mary Jane, Gwen. You know, it's it's protecting the people who, who mean the most to him. So it's, you know, and who doesn't want to be Spider-Man? You know, who doesn't want to be this kid who feels awkward or gets picked on at school and suddenly he's got all these powers? Yep, and, and, and for him to hold himself back and not beat up every bully, I mean, that takes a lot of strength. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Real strength. You know, and again, thanks for doing that. And then you, you did my boy recently right here, my man, Bruce Banner, the Hulk, and his many iterations. He's in that, even though I was, I was digging through, I seen the Rick Jones version and this, that. I mean, you've given us a dope rundown here. So, you know, talk about this latest release. And, you know, is, is it out right now where I could go it's ahead right and spend my dollars? Right there now, we go. yeah. There we go. So the Hulk is, you know, he's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I also kind of compared it to, there's, again, it's Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale in Hulk Gray. There's a scene that kind of echoes of Mice and Men. You know, the big strong guy who doesn't know his own strength and the smart guy, but it's just kind of merged together in one guy. Mm -hmm. He's the monster, too. And I think the tough part about writing the Hulk probably is you know, usually the monsters in the background. You know, yeah. you don't see a lot of Frankenstein in Frankenstein, but very often the Hulk, the one who just smashes, is at the forefront of stories. I like the stories more where either he was joined together 
and Bruce and the Hulk were living in the same body. Oh yeah. Or where there's one story where where Bruce is off on an island like Dr. Moreau experimenting on all these other creatures to turn them into, you know, with gamma rays, turning them yeah. into versions of the Hulk. And he's kind of un unhinged. He's coming apart at the seams. Yeah, that's that's the worst version of Bruce Banner, which is a lot scarier than Hulk could ever be. Yeah, and I also found out reading these comics that you know Bruce Banner eats a lot of diners. Uh, he yeah. has a heavy he has a heavy build. His tab must be insane. <laughs> yeah, he's always at a diner. So, <laughs> and the Hulk, I mean, doesn't everybody have a rage monster inside of him? Yes, we do. All of us do. I mean, this yeah. is what makes this, you know, but you know, it's how you deal with the rage and who the character right. is. I mean, this is what's great about Hulk, because you know, there are those moments where you know Hulk is, you know, actually has a sensitive side, if you will. Or he knows right from wrong. You know, not much of a monster as he may be perceived to be. So do you have a favorite screen Hulk? Man, what was it? The Edward Norton. I, I, I like that one. I, I like that version. You know, because the Ang Lee was all right, but he had too much of a baby face. You know, um, <laughs> the, 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 the Professor Hulk, I mean, that the homie's doing right now from the latest Avengers films. That, that He's all right, but I think Ed Norton captured my Hulk, especially in the fight. Like, I, don't, I just want peace. When him and Abomination were fighting, and Abomination was kind of head and pinned to the wall. You see, I, there was that moment where his face is like, I really don't want to do this anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? Goes to show it's like, yo, he may be a monster, but all he really wants is the peace, like all men do. Huh. All right? Let me tell Did you. you watch the old TV show? Oh, of course, man. I've, I've met Lou in person, and he's oh, okay. still as big as the Hulk. Let me tell you. He's a scary man still. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him at more conventions. It's crazy. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there would be no better Bruce Banner, though, than Bill Bixby, bottom line. I mean, Bill yeah, Bixby was, was the man, amazing actor. David Bruce Banner. He wasn't Bruce. <laughs> he was, was David, David Bruce Banner. David Banner, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, amazing show, and I dug it. So let's get into the book over here, because each of your books carries the subtitle of the hero icon. You know, could you elaborate on the significance of this theme and how it ties into the characters that you're exploring in these books? Well, they're, they're all heroes to people, and they're certainly icons, you know, with, you know, and the movies have only, only, you know, magnified that, where, you know, probably the Marvel logo is one of the most recognizable logos in the, in the world right now. And it's probably alongside, you know, Starbucks and McDonald's, and, and, you know, it's just this hugely recognizable thing because of the movies and the comics. So, you know, they're, they're, they're the icons that you read as a kid, and you've grown up with it for the past, you know, well, Captain America is 80 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and the other ones were in the 1960s, you know, so you've had them, I don't know how old you are, you're probably, whatever age you are, you, you probably were them as a kid. And yeah, I'm in my late 40s. <laughs> yeah. They've been with you probably your whole life. You were as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, they've always been with me, I mean, in some shape, way, or form, whether it was through TV or, or, or the old mini comics, and then finally graduating to the normal size comic, and then you know, as a, as an eight year old reading Savage Sword of Conan, which I shouldn't have been reading, but hey, thank you, mom. <laughs> yeah. Or even the animation um, on TV. Yeah, great stuff back then. Let me tell you, my yeah. Transformers, my GI Joes, my He Man. I love all that good stuff. Let me tell you, yeah, I I, I love it. All right, so let me ask you: Do you have an opinion on Stan Lee? Because Stan Lee is widely regarded as a legendary figure in the comic book industry, right? So has yeah. his work and legacy influenced any of your own creative process or and, and or approach to storytelling? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing that, you know, somebody said once the difference between DC and Marvel was the DC characters are created all by different people, you know, and for the majority of the Marvel ones, it's all by one guy, you know, with either, you know, 
with someone else helping him, Jack Kirby or whoever. Yeah. It's, you know, I think one of Stan's greatest strengths was being an ambassador for comics. A hundred. He was out there just, you know, till his last days promoting the medium of comics. You know, I, I don't, he's probably the most recognizable name in the, in the medium of comics. I can't think anybody else that, you know, everybody would, everybody knows Stan Lee's name. I mean, he oh, was a, absolutely. you know, he was a sales guy, you know, look at his appearances in the movies. So, oh, you know, yeah. anything, any, any inspiration you get from him, it's, you know, never give up, you know, even when, you know, Marvel wasn't doing so great, he just figured out a way to, to pull it together and to, and to put great new characters out there. Excellent. All right. You know, you know, just, just put ourselves in a, in, in a current theme. You know, that diversity and representation have become more uh, prominent topic, it's topics in recent sure. years, especially in comic books, right? So how do you approach, if you will, incorporating in any diverse perspectives and experiences into your storytelling? Well, I mean, it's, you know, the, there's the there's the issue of, you know, any diversity should be, be told by a diverse person or not. You know, that's always the argument. You know, if it's a book about LGBT Q person should it be by an LGBTQ person? I agree with that, but I also disagree. I agree that it makes it a little more authentic, but also there's the imagination of a writer. Yeah. You know, you know, you don't have to be the Hulk to write about the Hulk. You know, you don't have to be a serial killer to write about a serial killer. But you know, that said, you know, a friend of mine, Joe Illich. I don't know if you know Joe at all. Oh, I big Joseph Illich, absolutely. Dude. Yeah, Joe, <laughs> Joe's great. I, 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 I yeah, Joe. And then at Lion Forge, we worked together. Joe's a great guy. You know, he's certainly a champion for diversity. Yes, he is. You know, and I love that he's out there pushing it. And it's long overdue because Joe's a part of Milestone, too. Back oh, yeah. The, ori- the original, a part of that original crew. Yeah. Last, I was on a podcast recently where they were celebrating Milestone, which is a great, again, you know, having yeah. an original diverse universe that unfortunately was stuck in contract, you know, problems for years. While people were clamoring for diversity and them having an original universe, yeah. not being able to use it was, was very sad up until recently, you know. And you know, some people I think think they well, well, they're ahead of the time. I don't think they were. I think really of the time, you know. Oh, that's yes, that's what the industry was ready for. But you know, whatever happened, it you know, with DC and them happened. Unfortunately, you know, it's really kind of too bad that that happened for so long. It did, but hey, you know, we got them here now. You know, hopefully we yeah. can make up for the lost time, which is important. Yeah. You know what I mean. All right, so with your extensive experience, right, what advice would you have for aspiring comic book writers and creators that are, are looking to make their mark in the industry today? I, I'd say a couple things. You know, you know, see what's out there. You know, don't restrict yourself to one thing. You know, find out, you know, there's, there's more than just superheroes. There are memoirs out there. There's horror. There's, I used to say that graphic novels was like every category in a bookstore jammed into one even nonfiction. so and also try to learn the business a little bit you know you don't want people getting taken advantage of by anybody you know try to try to learn the business a little bit and you know talk to a lawyer when you write a contract you know make sure you're protected never give your rights away to anybody unless they're going to pay for them mm-hmm. you know just make sure you're doing the right thing excellent excellent all right so with this book being you know, promote yourself, you know, get out there and, you know, be the face. It's hard for some people. They don't like that. But, you know, there are certain creators out there who are great. I mean, we talk about Stan Lee, you know, who are just amazing at promoting themselves. 
Yeah. I mean, but you also come from a sales background. So you, you yourself are used to putting yourself out there and speaking, you know, publicly, if you will. Yeah, about and projects and books. I was a theater major in, in college too, so that maybe helped a little. Oh bit. no wonder you sold so much because you were putting the drama. Like you gotta have these books, you know, <laughs> putting that Shakespeare into it. I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so with with these books that you have out, especially this new Hulk one, are you gonna be doing a book tour, or anything, or signings anywhere where we could meet you, see you, ask you more questions about these dope books that you got out? Nothing is set up right now, but if there is, I'll let you know. And then we're doing another book. Just finished it. Avengers. Oh, snap. No way. You must be having such a blast, you know, just touching these characters. I mean, has, has there been any moment in your journey writing about these characters, all of them, where there was something that stood out? You're like, wow, I never knew that. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, especially with the Avengers, there's so many different iterations of them. You know, the new Avengers, the, you know, the uncanny Avengers. The you know, a lot Avengers. of that I never read. <laughs> So, you know, I got to read all that stuff that I never read before. And, okay. and you know, even with some of the stories, like there's a really great moment in one of the Spider-Man stories. It's um, One More Day. It's one of my favorites. Mm. It's where it's after Civil War. Peter Parker had to come out, you know, reveal his identity. And uh, he was living in Stark, Stark Tower for a while, but they, they had a disagreement. And, and Peter thought, you know, his stance, Tony's stance was ultimately wrong. On registering all the superheroes, so he's kind of on the lamb at a cheap motel, and somebody goes to shoot him and kill him, and they hit Aunt May instead, and she's dying, and then a villain who I won't reveal, you have to read the story, comes to him and says, "If you give up your love for Mary Jane, Aunt May can live." That's you know, not only is there you know with great power come great responsibility, also sacrifice, you know, that's a big part of it. Oh, yeah, I, I know that story very well because it caused a hoopla amongst fans. <laughs> Big rumors. I mean, now we see revelations after the fact in recent issues of what happened, you know, I mean, yeah. with, 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 with that relationship, you know, that bastard. Anyway. <laughs> what are your favorite stories that you have? Oh, man, for me, it's actually, it's, it's a DC book by Sean G. Murphy, and it's outside of the superhero realm. It's called Punk Rock Jesus. And it's basically, uh-huh. I love that book. Just again, just the whole concept. Could you imagine? It, for me, the best way to I explain it is, it's the Truman Show, but with Jesus. And could you imagine that they clone Jesus and they make a Truman Show out of it? Yeah. It's wild rumors. You know, you have that, that, that. I mean, it's just it's beautiful art, beautiful storytelling, so well done. Like, cause, and the reason I always try to talk about that one is because everybody, we, we correlates comic books is superheroes. No, it is more than that. A lot know? more than that. So, you know, this is the perfect example of a non-superhero story that will blow your mind. Well, I, you know, DC, I had the, you know, the good fortune to work on Vertigo. Oh, great stuff. You know, was that, X Machina was one of my favorites out of that. Yeah. Love that. I mean, please, when is this movie coming? Strike me over. I, I need to see this on Phil May 100. You know what I mean? One Tower Survives. What what yep. book, man? It was so great, and especially in that. Again, I'm an OG New Yorker. And when you know, right after 9/11, this book comes out. You know, and I'm living in New York as I'm as, as I'm reading this book. I'm like, wow, so yeah. relevant for the time. What what a masterpiece of a book. Yeah, really. it was one of my favorites. And with that, we had fables. We had oh, yeah, um, man. preacher. Oh, fire! I mean, amazing show. But that the book kicks the show's ass a million times as well. Because, you know, it, obviously a little bit more brutal. <laughs> but the wow, this crazy. show was fantastic. Yeah, that, that book is nuts. I, I, 
Listen, I read the whole run just because of the show. I said, okay, I'm digging the show. Let me read the book. Oh, my God. Right? Every year I couldn't put it down. Although I love the actress who played Tulip yeah. on the show. Oh, oh. She She's was great. amazing. She's oh, yes, great. she was amazing. I mean, but and the homie, the, the, the saint of killers, holy crap, was he scary yeah. looking. <laughs> it was a good show. I haven't finished it yet, but it was a, it was a good show with the episodes I saw. Finish yeah. it up. Finish it up. It's actually really good. I mean, you must have been proud too. I mean, being associated with the Vertigo and then seeing even the success behind Lucifer. You know, one one network drops it and then Netflix picks it up to finish it. You know what I mean? And it was a great show. Again, you know, Neil Gaiman. You know, good stuff. Hundred Bullets. I'd like to see that come to to film too. Oh, that's another one. I read all those graphic novels. My look at that graphic novels. Yeah. Thank you, Rich, for, for making sure that my friend could pick them up at, at, at his local shop. <laughs> because yeah. when he lent me those, I, I had so such a blast. And yeah, I agree. And, and Transmetropolitan. Another, again, the, the more you talk about Virgo, this is so much goodness. It's outside of the superhero realm that would just yeah. blow your mind. Yeah, and Transmet was like an early experiment for Vertigo. Yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, the book, book was doing okay, not great. We thought if we'd rush a trade out that we might have enough sales with the book market sales and the comic market sales that it would survive. And it did. Oh, yeah. so that kind of became the model for Vertigo. That's you know, Spider the, Jerusalem, man. <laughs> yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Rich, I mean, thank you for being a part of that, you know, and, and pushing that because now, you know, the graphic novel market is absolutely insane. I mean, it's graphic novels before the floppies nowadays. Most publishers, you know, are, are like, you know what? Wait all four issues. And we'll release it as a graphic novel because yeah. that's that's the lane. I mean, I could see your shelf. I have a shelf full of porn shuffle, you know, shelf porn myself, graphic novels. I mean, you know, as much as I love my floppies, it, it, I like to keep my OG so they could stay expensive. And I open yeah. up my graphic novel, and that's what I like to read. <laughs> yeah, and this is just a very small portion of the graphic novel collection behind me. I can't imagine, brother, because, I mean, with all the stuff you read, you probably get inspired. You know what? I want to put this on myself. I want to put this on myself. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I tend to want, you know, really nice editions of them now. You know? Of course. What's your gem? Do you have a gem in your collection before we go? I, I probably have a couple. I've got a kitchen sink. It was a, a daily strip of Batman. Actually, I could pull it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Folks, we're going to start getting a look into his show. We're doing now. It's, it's, it's this. Oh, um, oh really? Press, but if you open it up, it was a limited edition, and there's a book plate in it signed by Bob Kane and uh, Dick Sprang and a few of the other guys who worked on it. Get out of here. When did yeah. you get that? I got it when I was at D.C. Oh. And then did a bunch of other stuff too. I mean, you know, I got some, some, you know, with working with Frank Miller, I was able to get him to sign my original Dark Knight Returns run. Oh, do you have the Leather Bond edition? I do. Oh, isn't that a beautiful? That's how I got introduced to that book through the Leather Bound. It looked like a Bible to me. And you know what? It yeah. wound up being a Bible of comics for real. <laughs> that was published by Walden Books, and I worked for them at the time. Oh, yo, bro, where have you not worked? Jeez, bro. Yeah, I've been everywhere. What publisher have you not touched yet? <laughs> Unlike COVID, I've been everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? But, but you know, we, we love your infection because it brings us joy. Don't you worry, all right? So we, we'll, we'll take the COVID variant of Johnson any day, all right? <laughs> so long as it brings us comic books. You know what I mean? You're awesome, brother. You know, I can't wait to see you on a book tour. Hopefully, listen, you're, if you're in New York, New York Comic Con is around the corner, and I think people would love to eat these books up and and even you know pick your brain on a panel and, and discuss. You know, 
our favorite heroes and those mythologies oh, yeah, that you are just reading about. I mean, I'm jealous. I can't imagine the stuff you may be digging into. I mean, out of everything you've read, I probably read maybe a very small portion of the cap. I got all the essential hoax. So I got into the 70s so far. I'm making my way into the early 80s. Oh, okay. Now. okay. Yeah. yeah. I love the hoax. This is what I'm saying. I just, you know, now because of your book, do I, is, that, is this going to be my shortcut in the run? Hmm. <laughs> Why do I think, Al, that maybe you've got those Hulk hands somewhere in your, in your house? Oh, no. But I have a joke. I have a friend of mine that, that he, he tends to use the word that when he's with a lady and he has fun, you know, at the end of the night, he goes, oh, yeah, I smashed that, he says. So I said, just for you, I'm going to buy you the whole gloves. And instead of you telling me that, just send me a picture of the glove that you had fun. <laughs> yeah. Now, but my friend, thank you so much for hanging out with me today and talking about, look, folks, again, look at these books. Look at these gorgeous books. They are gorgeous. Yes. Captain America, First Adventure, Hero, Icon, Spider-Man, Web Slinger, Hero, Icon, and The Incredible Hulk, World Breaker, Hero, Icon. These books are sexy, beautiful shelf porn. You know, you got to add that. And hopefully, you know, Rich will be sharing his, his convention schedule or signing schedule whenever that comes up. So that way you get these books and pick his brain. Because this, this, listen, I think you're my type of comic geek. This is what I need you to con so that we can hang out at a bar afterwards. And we're going to just. I should be in your Comic Con. I'll be there. Yep. I'm there already as press. So you have, we have each other's information. We are going to connect, folks. I'm going to take a picture. I did. We'll get a drink. Yeah, absolutely. And, and bring me. One copy of each that way I, I want some signs from you. That's the only way I'll buy it. All right? Hey, Do we have a deal? <laughs> All right. Thanks, hey, you're a bookseller. You, you're used to carrying books. And with that, folks, again, check out Rich's amazing books. You know, I have the link below to where you could actually purchase them. All right? So show the love for this amazing and very talented individual with a plethora of knowledge in the comic book industry. Please make sure to follow us over at comiccrusaders.com. My extended family over at undercovercase.com. But, of course, follow this YouTube channel, subscribe, turn on the notifications, because we got shows going live almost every day with amazingly talented people like my man here, Rich. And, again, Rich, thank you. Mi gente, thank you. Much love. I appreciate you. Hasta la próxima. You know what it is. Wepa! Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today.